So Trini knows this, but this past weekend, my family and I voted for the first time. Um, it was the Lebanese parliamentary elections, and it was the weekend where the diaspora votes. And it was such a, I struggle to put it into words because it was such a emotional thing to do. Um, it was the first time that my parents have ever voted. It was the first time that like my sisters and I have ever been engaged in, in, you know, like in Lebanese politics and, and actually doing something like this. And so it, you know, we walked away feeling like we really accomplished something, but I remember telling Jarini leading up to this day that there was so much, um, not hype, because I feel like that's not the word that I want to use, but there was just a lot of excitement around this day and like the diaspora being able to vote just because our government is so corrupt um, that there have been a lot of grassroots movement in terms of getting information accessible and getting people informed on how to vote. So there was this questionnaire that I filled out that literally took me I'm not even exaggerating, three and a half hours because of the depth of these questions and the amount of detail that was in them. So my mom and I were going through them and it's just so crazy. I, I basically got a crash course in Middle Eastern politics as a whole. And one of the things that was brought up quite heavily in the questionnaire was what's happening in Palestine. And I know we've talked about it on this podcast before, and obviously, like, we talk about it off of the podcast, but it's just so surreal to be coming off of this weekend where we're voting and then hearing the news about um, the journal, the Palestinian journalist that was murdered. Hi, friends. My name's Nadine. And my name is Thadini. And welcome to You Know What I Mean. talk about when I talk about media and I talk about politics like I don't like what's the word in English like I don't make it mine if that makes sense but when you talk about like when you talk about Lebanon even though you haven't been there for so long you're like our government Hmm. which I find so interesting because I I I don't like I I, it's not that I disassociate with my identity or anything but I, I don't feel like that's my government Mm. you know like it doesn't work for me I don't know it's it was just like interesting that you said that any but it is like devastating and I think there was so much like like I was saying this to you where you know of course there's so much um like any government any type of voting you ever do um in terms of like elections or government or whatever there's like an anticipation to see who's going to win. And there's an anticipation of the person that you voted for. Mm -hmm. Um, And there's also like some level of like having to concede or accept if the person that you wanted does not win. But I think I was saying this too, it's so much, I can imagine that it's so much harder because you're waiting with like bated breath, not just because it's like, oh, the person that I want may not win, but it's also Mm -hmm. like, 
will it be fair? Like, will, you know, will this election be fair? Like, will the government, like the current government that's in power, will they try to like rig the election or will there be election fraud? And, and even when we talk about those, like those concepts of like election fraud or whatever, we in like North America, mm-hmm. other it, like we're like, oh, that happens in like places like the Middle East or India or whatever, but election fraud is widespread within North America. But when you think about it or you think about a corrupt government, you don't immediately think of North American government. I think like when anything, you like North America is not the first place to come to mind. Like it, I think that's so interesting what you were saying, by the way, about it, like the language of our government versus like, that's not my government. I don't know. I don't know why I use it. I think in a way it's like, maybe it, it, I don't know. Like I was going to say it legitimizes them, but that's obviously not what I would want for that to be. But but it's kind of like accepting, this is the situation that we're in. This is our government, but that's, that's not the government that we want. Like almost like, I don't have the, we don't, we haven't had the control really in being able to, to have a say in who our government is. Anyways, I'm going on a tangent, but um, I I think you're totally right. That idea of like comparing, it's like we put the West and North America on this pedestal as an example to everything and everything outside of that quote example is, is, is othered. Yeah, no, it's also just like, it's so... I don't know what the word is, but like it is something that is so prevalent or like something that we see happen like so often or like even in passing with everyday things, like everyday sort of like social inequities that you witness, whether it's like poverty or, and it like sounds bad to be like an everyday social inequity is poverty that we witness. But at the end of the day, unfortunately it's true. And I guess that's the point is that poverty is everywhere. But like when you think about poverty or you think about like people dying or you think about people not having access to education or or the very like real life situations that people face um, in North America, like nobody sees it as a North American, as an issue within North America. Like I was talking to this guy um, a little while ago and he was talking to me about uh, I, I don't, I don't know. We were talking about how like education has been democratized and it was a very interesting conversation because essentially we were talking about how, um, now like education is on like YouTube or whatever. So like he had learned coding entirely on YouTube and he was talking about how like it like really empowers people to like be able to learn things on their own time to be able to like better themselves, whatever. And then we were talking about like all of the other things where you have to have access to like Wi-Fi or a computer or, mm-hmm. or even the time or whatever the case might be. But it was interesting because I was like, yeah, but like First Nations communities like don't have access to that. And he was like talking about like, you know, he was trying to be like, oh, like parents are single moms or whatever, like in like developing countries or living in poverty. And I was like, absolutely. But it also happens like in our backyard. I was like, you don't have to go, you don't have mm-hmm. to like have this thought of it being like this thing that's so far away and that's so like unimaginable because it literally happens in our communities and in our neighborhoods 
some of the worst examples can also be within our own absolutely absolutely and like the first of all that was like news that was like he was like oh my god like he was like really like there's only like one high school for like however many kilometers or or whatever there's no access and I was like yeah I was like that is how it is um but it's it's really interesting because like when you like all of these things that you talk about the the response it elicits when it is something that's in North America is so different than the response you get when it's in other parts of the world Mm -hmm. and it has obviously been so normalized in other parts of the world literally because of intervention from North America specifically the U.S. and like the U.K. because of like colonization but whatever um that it's like it's such a like it's like I think you were saying this you were like this is like the greatest I think it was you you were like it's like the greatest marketing I can't remember because I feel like I was having this conversation with somebody else but they were like but it was like if the U.S. has like taught us anything it's like the greatest marketing it's like the U.S. has like plundered all of these these countries not even just communities and has like left them desolate and Mm -hmm. then but everybody is still like U.S. land of the free, like land of possibilities, like, and it's like, but it's first of all off the backs of all these other awful things that it's done, and two, it's still not. Yeah, I'd let it. It's still not like let's not forget that abortion is like at stake in the U.S. Like the land of the land of the free for who? Yeah, who is free? For the same people that are free to continue to plunder all the other places and it is it is very crazy I think like you know watching everything that's happening in Ukraine and like the global the the very understandable and rightful global response of course yeah you know it's been it's it's crazy to think um but at the same time where is that same and equal response for other countries that are going through something similar and have been going through something similar like I I can't help but compare it against what's happening in Palestine and like that's been happening for years years and 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 I what I find so ironic is that the same language that's used to describe what's going on in Ukraine is not the same language that will be used to describe what's happening in Palestine or other places that are being occupied. It's just, it's, yeah. it really is. It's like, um, it's, it's just, it's very like, choose your fighter. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. you just, it's yeah. not like a, like a pick and choose what you want to, you know, what side, not what side you want to be on, but like what stance you want to take. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I, like, I have like two things to say about this. My first thing to be like, pick and choose the things you want to participate in because like I think an argument to that is like well if you care about one thing you don't have to care about everything and that's like a hundred percent valid if you care about one thing it doesn't mean you have to care about everything if you spread awareness about one thing it doesn't mean you have to spread awareness about everything but it's just interesting because if you can understand the politics and the systems of oppression that keep Ukraine occupied, for example, you can understand how those exact systems of oppression function in keeping other countries occupied that are not filled with white people. Yeah. 
but, and not explain it away by being like, oh, but like that's India. Oh, that's Palestine. Oh, that's the Middle East. Oh, that's whatever. And I think it's so interesting because people don't understand then like the race politics at play there, which are so evident, but it was so interesting because when people talk about like politics a lot, like they'll be like, I'm fiscally conservative in Canada at least, although in the US as well, but whatever, I'll speak in terms of Canada. They'll be like, I'm fiscally conservative, but I'm like otherwise liberal. And I always say, I'm like, that's literally not possible because all that means is that you don't believe in funding social welfare and social like causes. And I was on a walk today and I was uh, like, I was just like walking around my neighborhood and it was so funny because, or not funny, but like I walked by this, this like whatever, somebody's house and they on their lawn had like a conservative like lawn sign. Mm -hmm. And then right beside it, they had a like free Ukraine, whatever, like Ukraine flag. Yeah. And I was like, it's so interesting because if you're voting conservative, then you understand that that means like less immigration. That means that refugees aren't allowed to come here, but you don't make the connection between that for people from Ukraine. You make that connection for people from Syria. You make that connection for people fleeing the global South, yeah. but, or the East, but not, not what is thought of as the West. And I was like, that's like it was so funny that was like literally one of the things that I thought about to like when we were thinking when we were talking about like what our podcast like that was like one of the things that came to mind because I was like it's and like people will not I think even if they listen to this understand like the race politics yeah that come into play because it's literally white bodies or like white narrative I, I don't know what the word is like white narrative that's being centered versus like racialized bodies a perfect example what is um when we were when it was in the beginning of what was happening in U- in ukraine um these journalists from like very reputable sources were coming on television and saying things yeah. like it's so shocking to me that people who look like us have to go through this as if like war is only isolated in places like the Middle East or in the East in general. Like it was so blatantly racist that it was almost and people like laughable. Yeah. Like, and people like, I remember like news reporters would be like, well, this isn't like, you know, this isn't Syria. Like this, this isn't, yeah. Isn't. Like why, like, why would that happen in Ukraine? Like this isn't what Iran. And you're like, it's very ignorant. It's very, 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 very ignorant. And the way that like, again, like this isn't to, this isn't to take away from the very needed oh. support that is required, but I was in freaking airy. Okay. Airy. I know. And I went to make a, my purchase and they said, would you like to donate money towards to like towards the Red yeah. Cross for Ukraine. And like, that's amazing. But like, how, how else are we supporting? Like, how else are we supporting other countries that are going through this? And you know, you know that it's like, I, like, I don't have the words, but I'm like, retail is freaking getting into this. Like retail is now like, let's like all rally up together and, and put an end to occupation. 
stop it. Stop occupation. Like, I don't understand. Also, it's just, it is like, I'm with you. It's you, like you, you're right. You can have um, a perspective on one thing and, and like, be focused on that one topic and be passionate about it. And you don't have to be like the expert or know absolutely everything else that's going on. But you cannot have opposing views on the same topic. And because of where that topic is step is coming from, like literally where that topic is coming from. It's yeah, it's ignorant. But I always say this. I'm like, ignorance just isn't an answer. Isn't an acceptable answer. It never was, but it especially isn't now. And not only is it ignorant, it's like very violent, right? Like it's a very violent mindset because you're basically saying that you're desensitized to the violence and massacre and genocide that occurs in other parts of the world because those people don't look like you. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's pick and choose. It's pick and choose. Even just Okay, so let's, if we jump into, um, you know, the Palestinian journalist that was murdered this week, Shireen Abakli, she is, I do not personally have the privilege of, of watching her as I grew up, but she is someone that my dad would watch for years, for years. She was a pioneer for Palestinians and she was the Palestinian voice. And so what is interesting to, like, what will be interesting to see is that she's an Amer- she was an American citizen and how the American government is going to treat this investigation of her death yeah. or her murder. And that's even something that's like, you know, how to like the, the pick and choose, like, how are you going to pick and choose this? Absolutely. And you know what I find like an added complexity or layer or intersection, whatever you want to call it, is there's like so many times when like women journalists have been killed or get like immense like rape threats and like death threats for like speaking out about the government. Um, And oftentimes there have been like many stories of people, of women, sorry, whether like obviously this Palestinian um, journalist was died, was killed. And then there have been many other like journalists who are women who have also died or gone missing or have like been tortured. And I remember at like the beginning of, um, at the beginning of when everything was happening in Ukraine and like reporters and journalists that were there were being like flown out Yep. And then when people were, were going back, it was the primarily what you were seeing were like male reporters who were going back. Mm-hmm. And so it adds like another complexity that of like women who are further unsafe in conflict and in, yep. in war and genocide and whatever, like it's an occupation, like it's women who are, I don't want to say who face the brunt of it because I, I, I don't know the statistic on this. I don't know the statistic on like the number. I mean, although you can argue that if you were to like look at it relatively of the number of women who get killed versus the number of men and then compare that to the number of women and men in journalism as a whole, I don't know what like census study I'm like trying to conduct over here, but like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I, I almost have no doubt that it'll be disproportionate. 
for sure. And it's so heartbreaking and it's so, I don't even like have the words. I don't, I don't really have the words to even describe it, but it's like an entire narrative that is essentially not essentially that is being erased and has been erased for so long because like women don't have, you know, women aren't allowed access to education in all parts of the world. And like lack of access to education impacts women most when you have a country that is war-torn or that is occupied, a state that is occupied, who does that impact the most? It's women and girls. Yeah. And it's, and it disenfranchises women and girls the most when, when any of this happens. And so it's, it's just like really, people always talk about like, oh, but things are better now. Like things are better now. And I want to be like, for who are they better? For whomst? Yeah, for whomst. Because it's, it's the people who were marginalized before continue Mm -hmm. to be Mm -hmm. and continue to be like the stepping stones for other people to, for white people to continue to like, do whatever it is that they're doing or do whatever it is that they want to do. And I like, I can just like hear somebody listening. I can hear somebody listening to this episode <laughs> and like having a counter, like having a, a, like a counterpoint being like, like some version of like, well, not all white people or like whatever, but I just think that there is not enough of a stance or not enough of like a collective reckoning of the system by the people who uphold it whether they know it or not yes I like I I agree I'm like hesitant not hesitant but I like I'm one I'm processing what you're saying two I can't even tell you what that reckoning looks like yeah like for example like we have our provincial elections coming up. I'm go- like, I'm going to vote NDP. Yeah, me too. <laughs> We're both going to vote NDP. But I'm going to vote NDP knowing that that ideal outcome that I'm looking for is so far from what will happen. Yeah. And I don't know if we will ever in our lifetime get to a point where we will see that outcome where it's like we're out of this two-party system a majority two-party system and you know we are able to introduce more of you know members from these types of parties that we align with into our government because it just seems like there's this like massive blockade and no one can get in except the two parties that currently hold control and, and so I can't even tell you like what a reckoning looks like. And the same thing for, you know, Lebanon, like we were, ta- I was telling you this and it just, it sounds so, it sounds so silly, but like after the weekend and, you know, <clears throat> all of that, like excitement, I guess, sort of like went down and we were back at a, <laughs> at a like a regular pace. Yeah it just dawned on me that this isn't a one-time thing. You know, participation in elections is not a one-time thing. Like, this is something that my family and I are going to have to keep up. We can't just choose to, you know, sit out one year sit out one year, or only participate because it's trendy. Like, you know, like this is, this is like a commitment that we have to make. And, and, and that commitment might not necessarily come with the outcome that we're looking for yeah. ever. Yeah. 
but does that mean that we that we stop participating altogether no of course not and I think that's like kind of what I was you know when we were talking about it after you voted like that was like one of the things that I was trying to say where I was like like you obviously put it in like a much like you you said it much better than I did but like it is a commitment and it's it's not just a commitment in that you have to continue to vote you have to continue to fight for like what you believe in and like Mm -hmm. you believe to be right and true and the hope like I think the hardest part is like the hope you continue to have every single time you vote that this will be the time that there will be less voter fraud or the election will not be rigged or not be rigged or whatever but you know what I mean like that hope is something that you have to continue to like harness and harvest for lack of a better way to say it but another another like piece of that or another part of that is like when people don't vote Mm -hmm. for example in Canada when you know like you and I have released like a few episodes aside from manifestation I was just gonna say (laughs) aside from manifestation um the episodes that we have released have been about like the importance of voting and like how you know how you need to vote and like how you need to vote I think at first you know, I still struggle with this idea of like strategic voting. Me too. And I think I sent you something today um, on, on about it or like on strategic voting. And it was about like, I don't know why people still should, should strategically vote, whatever. I I think I'm just going to vote NDP because I want to see that change. Like that is the change I want to see. Like that is, those are the people that I want representing me in 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 government but it's so hard because there's people who just will not vote who don't even care about voting and they're like I'm not gonna vote um and that's and that's it like I don't I don't know either I don't know enough about it which again ignorance is just not something you can claim anymore when when four people from specific you know socioeconomic backgrounds like information is very accessible to them Mm -hmm. um and overall, I think you can argue in general, information has become more accessible. Yes, especially when it comes to elections. Like, I don't know if you remember, yeah. there was like a full spreadsheet. Yeah. The last time there was an election, I think on the federal level, and it was like every point and where every single candidate stood. And yeah. all you had to do was Google it. Yeah. Yes. I Yeah. And I just mean like in terms of like, I don't know, like people not have access, not having access. Oh, yes. Right. But like, but no, but you're right. Overall, it has become more accessible in general, but people still will just not vote. Like I actually have like someone that like my family knows and she'll just be like, I don't want to talk about politics because like I'm not voting. And I'm like, that is a privilege in itself where you think that not voting is not going to affect you or the outcome of an election is not going to affect you. So that's like one form of privilege in and of itself. But the other idea that like you literally squander away something that people are like dying for. And it's not that you only understand the value of something because somebody else doesn't have it or you understand the value of something because you can do it and somebody else cannot. But like just truly that you don't understand like the importance or how the weight it carries to be able to vote and not be scared for your life when you go to vote like 100%. you were even telling me like trying to get your passport to vote they were trying to like delay it like oh my like, god maybe like whatever and it's like you are far enough removed but the reach of like 
corruption. That sounds so intense, but like the reach of corruption is like so widespread and so strong that it has reached you here where you're having to figure out how to get this done in order to be able to vote. Yes. I mean, I was talking to your mom, like you guys were talking about how um, when you actually go to vote, there's like somebody from each uh, like party or or whatever you were trying to explain to me that is there who is trying to be like, no, vote for, vote for us. Like trying to convince you on the spot. Like that can be so intimidating. Yes. Then actually, I don't think I told you that they were there. They were like, it was so weird because obviously we don't have like you would never you're not ever have that here but like literally voter intimidation but like it's voter intimidation exactly but that's exactly what it is right like the reach of of this corrupt government yeah is so like like I literally think of somebody with like an arm and it's like so long this reach it's like so far yeah that it's like affecting you and you know however far removed you are or how just far in general geographically you are from Lebanon but like again and that's not to say that doesn't happen in the states because it does obviously Mm -hmm. know that it does but but then people will just be like I'm not gonna vote and like not I think disseminating information to Mm -hmm. very specific groups is is something that is something that politicians and governments do so that they can continue to feed the cycle of misinformation mm-hmm. so that people continue to vote for them but again like who does that impact the most it's like racialized women and marginalized communities because that access to education resources blah, blah blah is like so much easier for affluent communities which is you know often more often than not like primarily white communities a hundred percent I get emotional every time I vote for anything. I could be honestly voting on a survey on Instagram and I will start crying. I'm crying. I will freaking start crying. I built like there, there will be a poll somewhere of like, what do you like more cries? Like I will just be in tears. I don't know why I find it so moving. I think because I, I think because it, the weight of it really sits with me. Like anytime you cast a vote, no matter like, whether it's here or whether it was the one in Lebanon, obviously the one in Lebanon had a little more weight just because it was the first time, but you know, just then an Instagram poll, just a little, then, 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 then the Instagram poll comes next. Yeah. <laughs> but I think just there's such a power in, in having your voice heard and it's you, you hit it, you hit the nail on the head. Like it's, it is a privilege to sit back and be like, whatever the outcome I'm an outlier. Like I will be fine anyway. And it's like, it, it really is, if anything, like it's just like a small finite amount of time of your day that you take to vote. Like if you go early, you're in and out in 15 minutes max. Yeah. Max. And like, really what, what did that take away from you? No, I know. I also just think like talking about this idea of it being like a privilege and how it's like inaccessible. Like this is not just the first time that you voted, which, okay, Mm -hmm. argue it's because you were like removed. You moved here when you were young, blah, 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 which I know is not the case, but whatever. But Mm -hmm. it's the first time that your parents voted. Yes, exactly. That really speaks at least to me 
to what a privilege it is to vote. And like part of why they didn't vote was because there was a war going on. Like they didn't just like not vote because like, I'm good. Like, oh, never mind. They didn't vote because there was literally a war happening. There was no, there was no election. There was no opportunity. Well, it was either there was no opportunity to vote or there was no vote for people in the diaspora. Yeah. So last election, I think was in 2018. They, I think, and honestly, I could be wrong about this, but but I, I'm 80% sure in my freaking like questionnaire that I had to take, I'm 80% sure that this is what happened. Um, in 2018, there was a parliamentary election. So the exact same thing that happened this year happened in 2018. And the diaspora was allowed to vote, but they were only allowed to vote for six seats out of the like 128 that is in parliament. So imagine that like tiny amount for almost 4 million people that are out of the country, which is insane to think. Which is insane, which is insane to think about because like, again, that's another way to like, that's like voter oppression. Yeah, that literally is what it is, like voter suppression. So um, this time around, it it was really moving because my parents it was not only their first time voting, but it was their first time voting with an equal amount of power as they would have back home. Yeah. 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 Like, and then, and then there's people here who, here who are like, oh, I'm just not going to do it. I'm just not going to do it. And it's not because it's like, they can't take time from work. It's not because they don't have access to whatever. It's like literally just them being like, even like what you and I were talking about this, like, like I was talking about, we were talking about the outcome of the Lebanese election. And I was saying that, you know, it's, I'm hopeful for a better future, but I'm not putting my hopes up that like the government's going to completely, you know, like flip and it's going to be something else. Like it, that's just not anyone who says that is foolish. Like that's just not what's, what's going to happen. They'll just, there will be small wins here and there, but um, it's likely that it'll stay the way that it is. But you know, we, we think about our, the privilege of having our elections here and you never have to think about that. Like you never have to think about, um, are, are their election results going to be corrupted? Are they going to be, um, you know, interfered with? Like, do I have to worry about uh, like an, like a government takeover, which is kind of crazy because you can't necessarily say the same in the States, but I go, and vote here with a sense of comfort that like, yeah, I I can confidently say that this is a free and fair election, that my voice is being put to use. Yeah, yeah, no, for sure. Yeah, I think it's just like a very messy, like, like, it's just, it's like, it's very hard to like speak to people who like decide not to vote or who say things like I am, when I do vote, it's like a, I'm like fiscally conservative, but otherwise I'm liberal. Um, because also when like you say you're liberal, you're like very like centrist left. You're not like left left, right? So yeah, like, exactly. So it's just I find it interesting when they're like, no, I'm left, but I'm liberal, and I'm you're like that's like centrist, left, whatever. Um, also, I just sorry not to cut you yeah. off. I would just would love for someone like on hinge or bumble or whatever to have i'm fiscally conservative and socially liberal as their bio 
and match with Torini because I, I would just I would <laughs> love to see her <laughs> chew them out like what the fuck is this swipe left I would swipe I would not I would not accept them um yeah I mean that is like a whole the whole a whole other topic a whole other but I just mean like I think it's I I, I like really like struggle with people's reactions or like their understanding of like this is gonna sound so vague it's like I was talking about global affairs but like mm-hmm. conflict in the world <laughs> but actually but like, actually but global affairs but global like actually global affairs like, yes yes like you know what it is it's the connection of the global affairs yeah it is we're back to global affairs because it has been however many years it's been um and global affairs are still affairs globally so <laughs> they're affairing globally is that what you just said <laughs> well that's 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 what they're doing they're affairing globally I yeah honestly fact did I lie did you lie <laughs> did I lie but did I tell you that I was fiscally conservative and socially liberal I was gonna say socially irresponsible but that doesn't make sense <laughs> that doesn't make any sense (laughs) that is um that is actually like a funny like satire on I think what people think the liberal government does with like the budget so it's like you like inadvertently made like a satirical joke but anyways I just I like the death of this Lebanese not politician Lebanese um journalist is like very Palestinian sorry I think I said Lebanese earlier too, Palestinian, um, is very heavy. Yes. But I, not but, and I think people are like desensitized to it. Yeah. In, in many ways. And like, then like, and it all kind of like ties together, right? Like whether it is what, like the systems of oppression, or the systems, the structures of power that uphold you not needing to vote because you don't feel like it makes like a difference in your life, all the way to being desensitized of like things that happen in whatever is considered like the global East or the South. Yeah. It it's all upheld by the same thing. Um, and like not understanding the like very multifaceted and like complex layers of that, whether it has to do with like gender or race or colonization, because everything is colonization's fault. Um, it's really, it's really hard to like have that conversation constantly without feeling like either the person you're talking to is just like shut off because they're like, yeah. oh, you're just like a you're just like a socialist or whatever. And you're like, I'm yeah. not a socialist, but what does it say about you if you think that if I'm not like you, I'm a socialist. Mm-hmm. Um and you, you just kind of feel like you're not getting through and like people will never understand, like very close friends of mine will not understand why it doesn't make sense for them to say that they are fiscally conservative. On that note, if you live in Ontario, elections are coming up. Yep. June 2nd. Mark your calendar. Mark your freaking calendar. I promise we didn't, uh, we didn't, this episode was timed quite well. We were just talking about this. Yeah. Um, it wasn't intentional, but now that we're on this topic, make sure you vote. The world if you're not voting, don't talk to us. Yeah, literally. We're manifesting that you vote. This episode was manifested. 
as in recorded by us. But it just so happened that it happened to be at elections and election season is here. So that's that. You'll find me crying at the pool. Yeah. <laughs> Instagram and yeah. on the second. Yeah.